Hello, hello everyone, welcome back. Uh, it is nice to talk to you again, but I do have some unfortunate news. Uh, we were very excited. We were very excited about making landfall in Amcaric, the whole group was, and unfortunately, as a result of our excitement, we did not get our sound catcher equipment set up quite right. As a result, we had to spend a lot longer than normal in the editing process, uh, going through, manually adjusting things, doing our best to cut out echo manually, uh, raising the bass a little bit here, dropping the treble a little bit there, raising volume here and there, dropping it down here and there. Um, after about 10 or 15 hours of editing and, and trying to get things where they would be a decent level of listenable for you folks, and getting about halfway through the session, we unfortunately hit a, uh, a chunk of file corruption and lost the entire edit file. Uh, so this is this is still a learning process for us. We're, we're new, we're still learning. This has definitely uh, given us a lot of things to learn from. Uh, so in the future we're going to be hopefully doing a better job of double checking everything before we get started, hopefully doing a better job of uh, keeping things backed up as we go along. And uh, just, just generally, you know, any time you've made a lot of mistakes, you've definitely got a lot uh, you can learn from them. So, unfortunately, we don't have a full session to offer you guys as such in the normal uh, edited way that we have it. Um, now, through the use of some file recovery tools, I was able to recover the raw recording file but unfortunately not any of the editing that has been done, and looking at that hill a second time, we decided as a group it would probably be best to to cut our losses and just move on to the next session, and instead to record for you guys a, a nicer quality summary of the session as it was, the first session in Amcaric, we are going to be uploading the raw recording file onto our website, uh, which you will be able to find. Uh, the website is nerdsetc.com, or rather nerdsetc.com, N-E-R-D-S-E-T-C.com. It's going to be in the extras session, uh, extras section, sorry, of the website. It is not going to be very good quality. It is not going to be easy to listen to, unfortunately, and I apologize for that. But for anyone who is interested in getting 100% of the lore that they can, anyone who's interested in hearing our, our guest, we had a guest this episode, this session, uh, anyone who's interested in any of that can go to our website, nerdzetc.com, Find it there in the extra section and listen to it. It's a little over five hours, uh, about 50-50 combat and other stuff. And for those of you who don't want to uh, to sit through all of that, uh, particularly if you go and start to listen, I think you'll realize why it is we're giving you this recording. 
I am now going to launch into a more in-depth than usual summary of what it is that happened. So, at the commencement of the session, the group saw land. Uh, Armina specifically being able to place their location with confirmation from the crew members of the ship as being uh, at the at the outset of a gorge, an inlet, that leads in toward Amkarik. Amkarik having a very, very sheltered port. They spent some time sailing up this inlet. Planeswalker, in response to some commentary about Clucky, went and talked to the chicken in question, using his animal speech for the day to answer a few questions and to ask Clucky to try to tone down uh, and dial back the amount of murder talk around Calrie because of concerns that were being raised. Planeswalker, of course, knew that Calrie couldn't understand Clucky, but there was still some worry that some of it was maybe bleeding through the cracks. Clucky agreed to stop talking about murder near Calry on the roundabout condition that he be given a zombie rat. Basically what happened is Clucky mentioned rats. Planeswalker said, what did you do to the rats? And Clucky said, I didn't do anything to the rats. This was all a joking reference back to the one-shot episode. The Secret Life of Pets, wherein Clucky helped rats. But Planeswalker mistook it as him having killed a bunch of rats. Conversation got twisted around to bringing those rats back from the dead, and Clucky, having had the carrot of a zombie rat dangled in front of him, refused to back down, agreeing to stop talking about murder near Calry if Planeswalker could provide him with a zombie rat. Up on deck, uh, Yolanda, meanwhile, told Armina about her plan to get in touch with a demon and hopefully arrange some sort of deal to protect her mind and, and hopefully all of their minds from the clearly fairly great powers that were behind the Order of the Rising Dawn. Armina inquired about specifics. Uh, Yolanda wasn't necessarily able to provide a lot of them because the plan was still somewhat in its infancy, but she did talk about wanting to have Armina there with her, knowing that Armina is a fairly shrewd negotiator, and uh, in, in Yolanda's politest terms possible, Armina, out of all of them, is the one who is most experienced with people who are going to try to find loopholes, people who are maybe going to try to stab you in the back, and people who are maybe less than entirely ethical, all of which are things that uh, Yolanda thought demons had pretty much in spades. After that, Yolanda went around and gave some parting gifts to the crew as well, giving uh, one last flight to Pecker, the resident uh, bird folk on board. And... Uh, then it was time for the boat to make dock. As it came in toward the dock, Armina searched the crowd for her husband, Chris, and managed to find him a little bit before the boat was tied off. 
as soon as the gangplank was down, she was out there like a shot, jumping into his arms, knocking him flat down to the deck. A joyful reunion, everyone gathered around, very gladly uh, seeing Armina return home in ways both metaphorical and literal. Everyone who was on the dock then, a large, large slab of stone, was then gathered toward the end, ushered there by two guardsmiths of Amkaric, ones which Armina recognized as former colleagues of hers. The guardsmiths gave a brief little speech about newcomers to the city being very welcome, but having a few things they should know first. First and foremost being that they aren't allowed in the underground sections of the city. These being primarily maintenance passageways, vaults, catacombs, uh, and training areas for the guardsmiths themselves. Uh, however, they did comment that there had been a recent rise in people trying to gain access to these sections of the city, and they had been sent here by the chief of the precinct to give a, a special little message every time a boat came in, every time ships docked, that people were not allowed in the underground sections of the city and should not try to gain access. This was somewhat interrupted by someone running up. Uh, the guards also gave a brief overview of things like there being... Uh, there being... What do you call them? Um... I'm sorry, I'm spacing on the word. And this is the fun thing you guys are going to get to see more of how spacey I actually am. I'm not usually that smooth and fluid. The The people editing this do a very, very good job of making me look very smart, cutting out all the ums and ahs. Uh, tourists. That's the word. Uh, the guards gave a brief little overview of there being tourism bureaus around the city and kiosks set up to answer any questions that people had if they were looking for particular entertainments or or to see the sights to partake of museums libraries music shows uh, sports wrestling matches boxing matches what have you they should direct their questions to these tourism bureaus at this point they were somewhat interrupted by someone running up yelling about a fire this was the arrival of our guest for this uh, particular episode uh, guest Rachel, we were very happy to have her join us, uh, and it led to us making a long uh, commentary of jokes about other guests we would like to see join us. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, if you are listening to this, we, we went on for quite a while about how we'd love to have your, your company at the table, um, so I'll just offer that, that open invitation here uh, as well. Uh, Vin Diesel, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, um, quite frankly, pretty much anyone. Uh, but th those three we did specifically mention by name. Rachel was joining us for just this one session, uh, one of Rob's friends, and was playing a resident of the city, a dwarf by the name of Donnie. Donnie ran up, uh, yelling about a fire, uh, had a brief interaction with the guards and with the party, wherein uh, he notified them that that there was a fire. He had been visiting a forge, uh, the Anson and Son Forge, to pick up things for his uh, 
his family business of being a cobbler. He was picking up metal aglets and grommets for the shoes. When fire broke out, some huge creature, which he described as being demonic and very powerful, started flinging things around, lighting things on fire, spewing fire, and he had fled here, being a, a nearby area that he knew would likely have guardsmiths and people to notify. So the party set off very quickly for this forge getting what details they could from Donnie along the way, and also grilling the guardsmiths a little bit for general sorts of procedures, planeswalkers specifically asking about things like punching within the city limits. Finding out that punching within the city limits is not great, but it definitely was not as negatively viewed as he had taken it to be in Lab Saladas. Uh, he was told by the guardsmiths that, you know, if he ended up killing someone, he should have a pretty darn good reason. But if it was in self-defense, then that was a totally different thing. And uh, that this particular instance, well, something was attacking a forge, and it certainly didn't sound like it was a person. So that doesn't count as anything illegal. They briefly asked about some other laws as well, but uh, we're pretty much told that that wasn't really the time. Upon getting to the forge, smoke was leaking out of all of the windows, and the guardsmiths stopped out front. Uh, the group, particularly Quixie and Calry, uh, questioned them on the matter. The guardsmiths answered that they had to wait. They had to wait for backup. They, they weren't allowed to just go charging into any situation they wanted. They had to wait. It probably wouldn't be more than a couple of minutes. However, uh, Donnie was pretty adamant that they should get on fixing the things as soon as possible. He didn't want to see this forge go completely out of business, because then he'd have to find somewhere else to get his aglets and grommets. And the party was, through various reasons, uh, Yolanda and Planeswalker wanting to help whoever might still be inside, uh, Calry and Quixie being a little bit indignant at the idea that the guardsmiths would just stop and wait, and uh, Armina, a combination of those, and also wanting to put on a good face for uh, her husband Chris, the party decided to rush in right away, not waiting for guardsmith reinforcements or anything else. They were given the go-ahead by the two guardsmiths who were there, and Chris waited outside as well. Chris, Armina's husband, waited outside with the guardsmiths as well. Entering the, uh, the forge, they did find a large... not huge, but imposing-looking figure. Looking like a suit of dark metal armor, a whole suit of plate mail brought to life with embers and smoke and fire filling it, pouring out of it at the seams. Not actively lighting things on fire at the moment, but clearly not a friendly thing. They started to do battle with it. They quickly found that general weaponry, conventional weaponry, was not as effective as they would hope, doing fairly minimal damage to this creature. And unfortunately, they found even more worryingly that some of their spells were of no effect whatsoever, causing no damage, no dents, dings, or scratches in any way. No effect whatsoever on this uh, this bizarre 
flame-filled animated suit of metal armor. It gladly joined in battle with them, though. And Donnie hatched a plan to use the lifting rig, which filled the forge, to hoist up an anvil and drop it on top of the creature, hoping to do some damage and maybe even pin it, where they could just deal with it and dispatch it. The forge was laid out a large circular stone building. At the center was the uh, the hearth itself, the actual heat of the forge, the fires. Toward the outsides on the outer wall were seven workstations equally spaced around, and in between the center and each workstation was a large anvil. Donnie, with Planeswalker's help, and eventually the help of a couple of the others as well, managed to get a, a circular crane hoist, which ran on rails suspended from the ceiling all the way around the forge. Managed to get that positioned over an anchor, or sorry, over an anvil. Managed to get the chains from it wrapped up on it. The chains had been broken free. But they managed to get new chains, hook those on, lift up an anvil, and slowly carried out this process of, of both attaching it and hoisting it and beginning to push it in its circumferential path around the, uh, the forge. Meanwhile, the other members, uh, mostly uh, Yolanda being face-to-face -face with the, the creature the thing, the demon, the elemental, they weren't quite certain what exactly it was. She was mostly face-to-face -face with it, Armina engaging from a distance, and Quixie doing her best to come up with spells that would have some effect. Yolanda's sword seemed to be about the only thing they could find that did consistent and reliable damage. However, as a result, the thing seemed to be targeting her more so than anybody else. It fought fiercely with weaponry, was very difficult to land a hit on, and when it did, usually didn't do much damage at all, unfortunately. Eventually, they did manage to get the anchor around and drop it on top of this suit of armor. However, they didn't pin the whole thing. It managed to dodge out of the way, largely. And while it sustained some damage, it wasn't trapped. It also revealed its ability to fly, sprouting large wings made of ember, flame, and smoke. When it seemed like this might be a fight they weren't necessarily able to overcome. This might be an enemy who their best hope was to lock the doors and just keep it trapped inside. Quixie managed to grab hold of it with a spell and affix it in place briefly, giving everyone a couple of open shots at attacking it. The thing managed to wrest itself free of this spell a few moments later, but Armina scored one last lucky hit uh, shattering, shattering its helmet like a fragile old skull, and sending the thing crumpling to the ground, being a very heavy suit of plate armor.
but seemingly lifeless at that point. Investigating the area, they started to put out fires as best they could and looked for any other survivors. Donnie notified them that several people had fled along with him to places unknown. But over at the edge of the, uh, of the forge, something was spotted. A hand sticking out from some rubble and a groan. Going over that way, the party managed to free the semi-conscious form of seemingly the owner of the forge, or at least the guy in charge at that moment, Hanrik Anson. Donnie uh, identified him as being the epitomal son in the Anson and Sons, or one of the sons in the Anson and Sons moniker, which... Uh, which decorated the outside and inside of the forge. Rousing him, Hanrik revealed that... Well, he didn't reveal much at, worst, at first. He revealed that they had come under attack by this thing and asked the group not to divulge its true description to the guards. He asked them instead to tell them that it was an elemental, some being of, of pure flame and smoke and embers that had erupted from the hearth of the forge and done this damage. He begged them not to tell the guardsmiths about the suit of armor. Questioning him further, they ended up finding out that he had made this suit of armor as a special request for a very powerful man in the city. One who he was very reticent to give a name for, but eventually named as Retic. This suit of armor was supposed to have special capabilities, ones which Hanrik thought he could only provide by making use of very powerful materials. Specifically, being shard sand. The shards are massive monoliths dotting the Scarland Desert to the north of Amkaric. They have long been sought after as a source of power, but have never really been usable. Any times they have been used, they have caused death, destruction, madness in their wielders or those who, who seek to utilize the ores in any way. However... Hanrik said that over time it has become apparent to high-level smiths and other uh, users of magic and arcane that even tiny, tiny amounts possess very large quantities of power, and that using the sand that sloughs off of these uh, monoliths over time, alloying it with other metals and other materials can result in something that is powerful but more stable and doesn't result in that madness and, and unending destruction. He admitted that he had probably used a little bit too much of the sand, but use of any of it whatsoever is against the strictures of Amkaric and would get him terrible punishments at the best, and quite likely death at the worst. However, he also said that his hands were tied due to the powerful position of the man who had requested this suit of armor, and that he was not the sort of man who one said no to. 
Quixie and Armina, on the way into the city, had briefly caught a glimpse of just the tip of one of these shards out in the Scarlands, just before it was obscured by the horizon, and heard some whispering, faint, distant, and unknown, that stopped the moment they lost sight of them. So the group was understandably worried by all of these developments, but ended up eventually agreeing with Hanrik uh, to be, in exchange, rewarded fairly handsomely. He promised them artifacts of magical provenance. Him not being a magic user himself, but he said he would be able to make use of powerful and magical alloys to give them rings or amulets or, or, or bracelets, things of that like, which would have all sorts of wonderful abilities, he promised. Uh, potential to fly, the ability to resist damage or resist certain spells. All these things he promised to them if they would just keep his secret. The one who required the most convincing was Calry, but in the end even she relented. And all of them went out, told the guardsmiths, whose backup had just arrived, that the situation was taken care of, the elemental had been contained, they described it as being a great beast made out of flame, a large snake-like monster thing, and they had long since hidden away the suit of armor inside of their bag of holding. With this done, the guardsmiths headed into the forge, giving their thanks to the party. And the party, along with Chris, went to baths in Amkarak, there to unwind a little bit and clean off blood and soot and smoke from their encounters. They chatted with each other, they chatted with Donnie, they chatted with Chris. They got to know some more about Amkarak, about the businesses there, about the people there. Armina gave them a little bit of an explanation about the two guardsmiths they had met earlier that day, Danarik and Vinnick, and a little bit of a briefing on her position as it had been and as she had left it, uh, her being a former employee of the guardsmiths, a former guardsmith herself. And they agreed that things in the city were maybe a little bit uh, a little bit tense that there were a lot of things going on and they didn't want to do anything wrong they didn't want to misstep anywhere and so they they reiterated their their earlier consensus that perhaps those who knew the most or those who had the best uh, track record of of being good with other people namely being armina for the first case and yolanda for the second case should maybe be the ones to do most of the talking in, in at least the, the high-pressure scenarios within the city. And so after, after some conversation there, and after finding a tavern to bed down in for the night, and somewhere that would offer them a fair amount of alcohol, they said goodbye to their new friend Donnie, who went off into the night and back to his life. They said goodbye for the night to Armina and Chris, who returned to their home to spend uh, their first night together in in private. Although uh, there was a, a relatively public understanding of what that night would entail. 
Which provided very neatly the reasons why it was to be a private night. And then the party went off to sleep. So that is most of the the important stuff that happened that session, and, and some of the less important stuff as well. It's not as good as a real session, I know that, and again, I, I am sorry, we all here at Prisoner's Dilemma and Nerds Etc. are sorry that we weren't able to provide you with the session that I know you were hoping to have. But I hope this is something, at least, and like I said, we will be doing our best to avoid this happening again in the future. Our, our normal sessions should be returning again next week. We've got some fun things coming up, coming down the pipe for you. We've got uh, all sorts of interesting developments, a lot of new characters, a lot of characters who have been hinted at or mentioned before, uh, coming back into things in their own fullness. I also recommend, if you like, uh, go ahead and check out the, the short story that was posted here. Uh, Soul and the Shadows, that would have been what went up last week. Uh, it goes through some of the backstory of Armina's old boss at the Guardsmiths and lays some groundwork for events that will, that will become important to them while they're here in Amkarak. Uh, on top of this, of course, if you've got any questions, anything you want clarification about, if anything in subsequent episodes doesn't make sense, or if people are referencing back to something and you're sitting there thinking, whoa, hey, wait a second, what? what's this? Why are you mentioning so-and-so? I don't know so-and-so. Or what's all this talk about a, a, a gluefish? I don't know what a gluefish is. There's no such thing as a gluefish, but just as a random example. If anything like that does crop up, please, please don't hesitate to ask. You can send us uh, an ask on Tumblr. Uh, we've got uh, Tumblr nerds, etc. at tumblr.com, nerdsetc. Uh, we've also got one at aralonadventures.tumblr.com. Uh, no, sorry. I am wrong. That is not what it is called. It is adventuresinarallon.tumblr.com. That's Aralon, A-R-E-L-L-A-N. Uh, you can send us an ask either of those places. We'll get back to you. You can send us asks on, uh, I mean, DMs on places like Instagram or TikTok, I believe. We've got the website as well. Get in touch with us, any of these places. Uh, if all else fails, there's always uh, nerdsetc at gmail.com. That is open. You can send us any questions, any problems, anything that doesn't line up or doesn't make sense. We will uh, get that back to you, get it answered, so that we can move on forward with the rest of the rest of the plotline, the rest of the story, and hopefully not anytime soon have another example like this popping up. So, once more, we're very sorry, but I hope this is something to help fill your time a little bit, at least. I hope it was enjoyable enough and, and filled in any gaps that might be missing, and I hope that next session finds you even better and even greater than this fill-in did. So, until next time, thank you again very much for listening. Get in contact with us, any questions you've got, any, any prompts, anything you want to say. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe, all of those three as much as you can, and we'll talk to you again next time.